global shortages are causing farm input costs to skyrocket. A better way to farm shows you how to take control of inputs and maximize profits so you can farm the way you want. Now, from America's heartland, here's your host. Hey there, Tyler here, field agronomist with A Better Way to Farm, where we spend each and every day providing solutions to farmers to grow better crops and to make more money. We wanted to jump on this podcast episode today and talk about a a news article that the team has kind of been discussing. One of those interesting articles that it almost kind of instills a little bit of fear into the marketplace. And then their solution to the problem in the article is one that's very vague and, and it's one that was kind of a hot topic. So to bring on the kind of the expert in the subject matter and, and bounce ideas around, obviously a good friend of mine, a good friend of yours, and a face of the A Better Way to Farm brand. So we want to welcome back to the podcast episode, Mr. Rod Livesey. So Rod, thank you very much for jumping on today. I know you're super, super busy traveling as always, but I thought it was important. You thought it was important. And most importantly, your daughter thought it was important that we talk about this article. I'm just going to go ahead and share it if that's okay. But from from AgWeb, which I've checked out stuff from them before, sometimes I agree with some of the stuff. Sometimes it makes me really mad and I have to shut off my computer or throw my phone. But they talk about the fertilizer free fall. And they talk about trying to the gamble of locking in your prices as it relates really ultimately to fertilizer. So if you want to just kind of jump into kind of that whole bold lettered fertilizer free fall and kind of the thumbnail or the eye grabbing attention that that article kind of instills. Sure. You know, we shouldn't all agree on everything. It'd be a boring world if we all drove a dark blue pickup. The fact of the matter is, you know, and AgWeb does a good job. I get a lot of information from those guys I, I read on their page every day. So this isn't me bashing them at all. That being said, I am going to say that I don't like headlines that are misleading. And I don't know, maybe I'm the only guy in America that read that and said fertilizer free fall. And I'm thinking, man, they're telling us that fertilizer is going to fall back to the prices it was 10 years ago. And the fact of the matter is, Tyler, that's not the case. The article was the the headline this time was to get your attention. And it did, you know, obviously. The problem comes in with a certain number of people are so busy, they don't read the articles, they just read the headlines. And you're going to draw a 100% incorrect conclusion if you do that. And so they open with some things like that, you know, UAN ammonia, they're about 50% lower than they were in the spring. And we're grateful for that. We're super excited for the guys to be able to do that. I also know that my good friend Mike over in South Central Illinois talked about the fact that him and his dad had purchased their 28% about three weeks ago. And since then, Tyler, it's went up 120 bucks a ton. Yeah. Yep. I was going to say, I just heard, so I follow up, obviously, my passion for, for nitrogen, especially all things liquid. I followed that market a little bit and it it finally dropped down to like, I think 32 was like, what, four and a quarter or something like that, a ton. And now it's back up, like you said, about a hundred bucks. I just talked to a, a one of our growers as well. It was the same thing. He's like, well, it went down and bounced back up. So he locked in three truckloads was what, 12 or 14,000 gallons of 32. And I completely agree that they talk about, I think this article is about six months too late. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a safe assumption, you know, and I look at what they're saying here. And, you know, part of the problem is we live in a volatile world. And part of us is it's true. We do have 
volatility. You know, what's going to happen in the Ukraine, what's going to happen in Russia. But the bottom line is sometimes the marketplace will take those events and use them to maybe overreact. Yes. And maybe make a little, you know, I'm still not happy that one of our major suppliers in the United States went to the government and whined and cried and around and they got a tariff put on phosphate coming into the United States. And that single thing by itself is artificially holding phosphorus higher than it needs to be. And that's holding up all, all grades. It doesn't make any difference if it's the cheapest, junkiest broadcast product you can get, or if it's the highest food grade orthophosphate you can lay your hands on, that tariff is increasing prices artificially. And I'm not really thinking that's that cool. And I'm a, I think we should all be talking to our senators and to our congressmen and saying, hey, it's probably time for this to go away. That company, I think if you'll look at their earnings, I think you'll find that they quite sufficiently could handle not having that tariff on. You know, that's kind of a, that's a tax actually is what it is. It's being paid by the American farmer. And I'm not very happy about the American farmer getting a tax that they don't need nor deserve. You know, I, I went on into this article, Tyler, and it, it went in here. And the title is Fertilizer Freefall. The article says nothing about that. You know, the quote is, there is supply, there is inventory, Taylor says. Unless something cataclysmic goes wrong, farmers shouldn't see a huge price correction. They're saying right there that it's going to go up again. It just won't go up a huge amount. And then it went on to say, according to Farm Doc Daily's August fertilizer report, there is still upside risk. Uh, what does that say to you, Tyler? Well, yeah, and it's not going to keep falling is that there's up side risk and that if you don't lock it in now that there's potential that things how the markets are very volatile and there's things that can happen and now all of a sudden the price goes up which is directly opposite of what the article is its intentions were is that that piece that kind of grabs you it, it's I, I was looking at another thing when you were kind of talking about that so there's a quote that basically you know, the things have even stabilized. And so you get the beginning of this, it talks about how this in the free fall, everything's going down. And then halfway through this article, it talks about, well, they're, they're kind of stabilized, but you, you know, you never know what you expect. And then you get further, you read deeper into this article and they say, well, actually now, because things are so volatile, there's upside potential that you want to cover your rear end for. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, the line that I that grabbed me, I, I screenshotted this, Tyler, and circled it so I wouldn't miss it. And it goes back in talking about the Russia-Ukraine conflict. And it says, thus, it might be prudent to consider pricing at least a portion of your fertilizer needs for 2024. Well, at least a portion, or maybe you ought to go ahead and do all of it because we've already hit rock bottom. You know, sometimes I had people that told me during the different elections that, I can't believe this president or that president is doing this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, just listen to what they're telling you, Tyler, because they may be an eloquent speaker, but they, he told you what he was going to do here. They're telling you what's going to happen. They're being eloquent. There's no question about it, but it might be prudent to consider pricing at least a portion of your 24 needs, given the risks in the market. And they're saying, boys, this is it. This is where we are now. I have a lot of friends in the industry and a lot of people who are far smarter than I. And Tyler, we, you know, we've got a couple of guys that we respect highly on the inside of the industry. And he, the one I respect the most is telling me we've hit bottom, you know, now 
am I going to go out here and bet a million dollars on this? No, because too many things can happen. But the people who are in the know and the people I respect are saying, this is it. You know, this is it. So any thoughts on any of that, Tyler? Yeah. And so that index that I was talking about, I found that uh, my notes is from uh, Rabo Financial, which is what it is. It's interesting when a finance company comes out and talks about, hey, maybe you should consider locking in some inputs. But they came out and they they had this index that kind of tracks wholesale price of you know commodity fertilizers, which I love. You know, just the the wholesale and that that's party partial to this. The wholesale price of like MP and K and some other stuff. And what they said was that it follows the grain market. And then right right below that, that's what I was talking about. They're like, well, we know that it follows the grain market, but actually, as crop prices move, fertilizer prices tend to follow, uh, although it's not exactly a uh, perfect correlation. And so there's so much, when you read this article, there there's so many quotes that are so vague and so much information that is so vague about the future, it almost bears not writing this article at all. I'm assuming it was a slow news day when they had this out there. Now, the other thing that I hate to bring up, but as you look at prices and you can say it follow grain prices all you want, but we are in that business as well a little bit, especially, you know, manufacturing and logistics. We work with a supplier. And there were some serious struggles. You can absolutely say that the the global market had a little bit to play into it. It would be nice to export some stuff, maybe out of Canada, maybe not Russia at this point. But, you know, we do have the ability to produce some of our own stuff with the North Carolina plant is finally coming back on. And, you know, when you look at, well, you'd probably have more insight on the potash plant down in, is it Florida, I think? But the the other side of that is natural gas. You and I know that there are so many of our, I'm going to call it base, kind of, you know, the MPK fertilizers that are built using natural gas is kind of the catalyst to get things going. I'm not going to get into too much. Well, I'm not going to get into anything political. If you want to, I'll let you step out and talk about that politically. But natural gas is absolutely needed to produce some of this stuff. And if we are trying to produce everything with more green energy and windmills and solar panels, it's tough to make natural gas with the wind. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that as as well. But, you know, logistics wise, it was just tough. The, the COVID years and coming out of the COVID years, and it sounds like we're going to be going back into some COVID years, apparently. Logistics wise, it was just very, very difficult to get a handle on some of these pricing things and and they just went out of control. And I don't think this article really should give a grower, if you just come across the the bold headline, the attention grabber about this fertilizer free fall, I don't think that you should sit around and say, yeah, you know what? I read that article or at least the headline. And so I'm going to wait until the spring of, you know, 24, April or May to start looking at locking in inputs. Yeah, my gut tells me and my heart tells me, Tyler, that's not a good move. I do want to go back and hitchhike on something that you said. You're talking about the fact that fertilizer prices tends to follow grain prices. And I believe that's 100% true on the way up. Yes. Okay. On the way up, it's dollar for dollar. It's a percentage. They, you know, I don't think it's any secret that typically the industry goes gross revenue per acre and they want this percent of the gross revenue. That's not how we price our stuff, as you well know, because it's just not a a way that we want to be a part of. It's not based on a percentage of revenue. It's based on cost plus enough to keep the lights on. But 
the fact of the matter is, while it will follow it dollar for dollar going up, it always lags behind coming down. You know, I've never seen fertilizer prices fall as fast as the grain markets. And I mean, that's over the course of my entire life. You know, I can go back into the 60s and and you start looking at all of that and and you see how it goes up quickly and comes down slowly. And, you know, part of that's reasonable. The businesses have to try and stay in business. But, you know, they got an inventory. They're sitting on an inventory of very high dollar stuff right now. And so they don't want to take the beating. And so that's got to work its way through. And that's why there's always a time lag in between those. But I think the time lag is probably we're looking at more like a year. And quite honestly, I would not begin, Tyler, to make a prediction what the fall of 24 looks like. I could sit here and give you five reasons that I think it'll be a lot better. And I can give you five reasons why I think there's a chance that the fall of 24 could be less advantageous to the grower than it is right now. And so I'm not going to get into all of those. And part of that does have to do with the geopolitical thing. And and I don't care where someone is on the on the political scale. But the fact of the matter is, every decision has a consequence. And uh, we're just going to be paying for those to a large deal. Tyler, I, you know, I guess my last parting comment on this was, and I circled this in blue ink and underlined it in red, it says that they strongly suggest, they have a very strong suggestion for growers. If you're going to lock in your fertilizer prices, get some crop sales on the books as the other costs on the farm are projected to climb. Now, I think there's a lot of things in that. Number one, Tyler, you've been doing this for, how long have you been working with us? 12 years? Not quite. Uh, 2014. So we're almost in November. It'll be nine. Okay. So in nine years, you've probably heard, you and I have read this over and over again. We've been told it by the industry. If you're going to buy your fertilizer, lock in your stuff. And there's some merit. There is some merit in that because you don't want to get locked in on really, you know, average inputs and then have the corn price be really low. Right. And I'm not going to even come close. I'll, I'll let uh, Roger Wright from Right on the Market. You probably need to give him a listen, guys. Mm-hmm. Give him a shout out here today. I appreciate him. I think I'd probably be checking with him. However, the important line there was not the standard deal that they tell us every year, buy some fertilizer, sell some corn. The important thing there was, as other costs on the farm are projected to climb, they're saying, A, we think we've hit the bottom in fertilizer. And get ready, baby, because we're going to see other things go up. I would assume they're talking about fuel. I would assume they're talking about parts. You know, I don't think it's any secret. I've never, we haven't seen equipment get cheaper and uh, it just continues to rise. And I think that we need to be preparing ourselves, thinking about what we're going to do. But today, what we really wanted to do was just get the guys thinking of our job at a better way to farm. If we don't do anything else, you never buy anything from us. You never use us as consulting for service. The fact is we want you to think because what we truly want is I want every farmer in America to be profitable. And the world is not better off when a farmer goes out of business. It's just not. And so that's what we were after today. Tyler, what have you got for a closing thought on all of this? Well, the biggest thing is, again, yeah, so I've been doing this professionally since 2007. And I was thankful. I was actually just talking to Preston about this earlier today. You know, I never thought that in my 15 plus years of experience, getting closer to 20, that I would have experienced the things that I have. But I've witnessed Roundup work and Roundup not work. I've witnessed high grain prices and high commodity prices and then thus high fertilizer prices. And you know, we don't have to talk about force majeure and 
and how that happens when things go up, then the farmer pays for it. But when things go down, the farmer still pays for it. (laughs) And looking at that last quote from Barry Ward from Ohio State, you you mentioned it earlier, but he's like, you know, with fertilizer being a, a little bit lower, and he mentions crop chemicals, which I don't know, I would just say inputs in general, but you know, you still, there's still an issue of other things that you brought up, cash rent and whatever else that ultimately puts that pressure on growers. So, so my parting thought that I want you to think about as we close out this episode is this, you're going to have to spend some money. You're going to have to buy some inputs. That is a guarantee on your fertility, on your chemical You've got to work with people that are ultimately concerned or worried about your bottom line. Rod, you say this all the time, that there's never a wrong time to do the right thing. And you've got to obviously trust your advisor, but they need to be working for you. And that's one of the things that we do on our side. And that's why I've been here, you know, for nine plus years is that I want to make sure that the growers that I work with the growers that we all work with are the most efficient with their fertility dollar as they move forward, because it will be a little bit different in 2024. If if the commodity prices keep falling down, grain prices keep going down, that's going to be a real issue. And so if you're spending a hundred bucks on, on your fertility, you better make sure that that hundred dollars an acre goes to something. And, and that's kind of my final thoughts on this whole article just pay attention to what you're doing and make sure every dollar that you spend, you are maximizing that and the most efficient in every way possible. You know, and, and I think part of that has to do with being willing to look at an alternative. I'll give you, for instance, I had the pleasure of hanging out with Andrew, one of the top guys on our team. And I, mm-hmm. he's, he's uh, 20, almost 22 years old. And I swear to goodness, he was born at age 30 because his wisdom is that of a 50 year old already. Yes. But he was working with one of his top growers. And the top grower in him come to this conclusion. It wasn't Andrew selling him. It was the grower said, hey, you know, I believe I need a lot of potassium. And most people do. And the grower sat down and put a pencil to it. And he figured out that he could take our potassium sulfate, put it down two by two. And for the same amount of money, he could put 50 pounds of actual K down for less money using our product two by two. I'm not talking about using an efficiency factor. I'm not talking about any smoke at all. Pound for pound, Tyler, he can put on our product and get more pounds for less dollars per acre. And sometimes we got to be willing to say, hey, we had never thought about that. And maybe that wasn't how it was five years ago. But today, that's a viable option. And here's what I promise. 50 pounds of actual K through potassium sulfate will do you a whole lot more good than putting on 50 pounds of actual K through potassium chloride. And I don't think there's anybody on earth that can say that, especially, and then you take the fact that you banned it versus you broadcast it. We're talking about a huge financial swing. And so sometimes I would say, Tyler, we got to look for that alternative. And it may not be anything we've ever thought of before. And I thank John for, for helping Andrew come up with this. And I look forward to helping a lot of other growers. I think, Tyler, uh, would you agree that one of the biggest advantages that we have is we get to work with top-end people and we get to share information with the community of people that we work with and it helps make everybody better? Oh, 100%. This team environment is so different than you know me coming out of retail and me coming out of the corporate world. I would never, ever go back. 
I'm going to put a shameless plug in. If, if that's you that's listening to this episode right now, hit us up. Give us a call. Oh, absolutely. You know, you can reach us with a text at 641-919-1206. You can give us a call. Right now, Tyler, we have never probably had the need for four new district managers near as much as we do today. It is a commission-only position, but, you know, we really have got some opportunity here, and we would look forward with a chance to work with some guys and at least talk to them just to explore some possibilities. But, yeah, that's the community is a big deal. Tyler, I'm going to wrap this up, man. I want to say thank you for taking your time. I know you've been out stomping around in cornfields doing scouting and soil and tissue testing today. And I'm going to guess you're a little warm. Is that correct? Yeah, in the office. I hope the air conditioner is not broken, but it is hot in the office today, too. So <laughs> I'm going to jump in my truck to cool off. <laughs> I'm going to go drive around town just to get cool. There you go. So, guys, thank you all for tuning in. You know, we appreciate you here at A Better Way to Farm. We're excited that you take the time to listen to our podcast because we only have one goal, and that is to make you better. And with that being said, I just want to close this up and tell all of you how much we appreciate you, and we hope you're having a better day. You're listening on the Verbal Crowd Network. Find more great shows at verbalcrowd.com.